and welcome to the Hairdryer Treatment Podcast. The FA Cup is back, Liverpool are champions and Chelsea are awesome. Mm. Today we'll be taking a look through the fixtures that have taken place over the last few days with a fine-tooth comb, ready to overanalyse and criticise everything. I'm your host and resident, Jordy Kieran, and today I'm joined by Liverpool supporter, Andy. Hello. Partick Thistle fan, Steve. Hi, guys. And Rangers fan who also calls Chelsea we, Luke. Hello. So without further ado, let's just jump into it. So Liverpool are champions, obviously, this week. That's the big talking point. Um, Liverpool won the league without even having to kick a ball as uh, Chelsea did the business at the bridge and beat Manchester City. Come on. There's only, there's only really one place to say, to start there. Andy, how are you feeling after that, mate? Absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. It's been a long time coming. All my life, I've been, all 25 years of my life, I've been wanting this to happen and but it's finally to come true is is amazing. Um, I did an article, shameless plug, on our website, and um, it was talking about how all the stairs over the years, such as coming second to Man U back in 2009, having to see Makeda score that winner against Villa, um, seeing Ger- the Gerard slip, my all-time idol, uh, fall over, and us come second to City, having the third most points ever in Premier League history and coming second. Loads and loads of setbacks, loads of near misses, but for it to finally come true in the way it has, it's it's amazing. And I, I'll be even better when he lifts the trophy. When I see Jordan Henderson do his little shuffle, and I see him lift the trophy. It's gonna be it's gonna be a great day. It's gonna be a great day. Um, I will say when I watched the game, the Chelsea Man City game, I was originally wanting us to win it at Man City. Uh, but the longer the game went on, the longer the Chelsea were winning, I was thinking, you know what, it'd be great to win it tonight. And it was good. It was very good. So it's been a very good week for me. Yeah, I bet. I mean, were you, were you sort of disappointed that you couldn't be there to sort of take part in, like, as support, as is it, yeah. is it sort of, like, slightly tainted by the fact that the fans couldn't be a part of the celebrations? Um, I'd say, in terms of tainted, I'd say no, because it's been so long, and, of course, all the fans have disobeyed the rules anyway, didn't they, at Anfield? So I think, um, obviously, it's a shame that fans aren't going to be there, but I think, at the same time, it's been so long, I think fans would be happy to see it lifted, Anywhere, really, to be honest. I think it's been that long. I think we're just happy to finally get it over the line. But, um, yeah, it'll be nice one day, once fans are back, to have that moment of the open-top bus parade, having the um, showing the trophy at Anfield once fans are let back in. I mean, I'll certainly try and be there for the parade, definitely. I'm going to try and make a weekend of it with friends, going to go down there. But, yeah, I think, yeah. It'll be good, but it's a slight shame. But for me, it doesn't really matter because you're still lifting the trophy, and that's what I've wanted for so long. That's what I was going to ask you about that. How, how are they going to? Obviously, I mean, we remember the scenes from a couple of years ago when you won the Champions League and you had the open top bus parade, and it was like yeah. 400,000 people on the route. And it's like, how? I mean, that, there's going to be more than that for the, for yeah. the, the league title uh, at a time when we're all still in lockdown. How on earth do they do something like that? Do they hold off on it until lockdown gets lifted, or do they just? Um... Yeah, I think I think Klopp has said in the past that um, he'll will do one when it's safe to do so. Kind of the, the council have allowed it, but I think Klopp said it could even happen in 2021 if it's still bad since the lockdown by then. I think Klopp wants to do so, but as long as, long as it's okay to do so, as, as long as we're allowed to, I think he wants to make sure it's at the right time. I mean, that's fair enough. Um, uh, Luke, as a Chelsea-ish supporter. Um, you, had a, <laughs> you had a bit of a unique perspective um, on events last week. So what was your take on the sort of game and what it means for uh, the red half of Merseyside? 
Well, I, I think first things first, congratulations to Liverpool. I thought they, they, they thoroughly deserved to win the title this year. Um, I felt as if uh, Man City just didn't... They, they, I don't think they really believed that they wanted to win that game. I thought Chelsea wanted it and, and it showed that they needed it more uh, for the win itself. And I felt as if Man City had kind of chucked the towel in in a lot of ways. Um, it was a good game, obviously. I'm going to say that anyway as a Chelsea fan. But um, but ultimately, I just sort of thought as if Man City thought, oh, well, that's it. That's it done. We'll just chuck it in now. And I wouldn't be surprised if they can't be bothered for the rest of the season. If I was Pep, I'd play a second string team to give them a chance to prove themselves now because I don't think the first teamers will be that bothered. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It was um, it was good for Liverpool. I think they they thoroughly deserved it this season. The way they played has been unbelievable at times, um, and and I sort of you know hope that they can they can. Um, I hope. I was going to say I hope they do it again next year, but I don't actually. Let's be honest here. I'm a Chelsea fan. I want Chelsea to win, um, <laughs> but I do hope they play good football. You know, and that's the main thing. On that, um, Andy, do you think it's going to be easier? Uh, do you think it's going to be easy going for Liverpool again next year, or? Is next season's um, title running a little bit tougher? I think it will be tougher. I think our points gap is so big this season. I can't see it being the same next year. I think Chelsea already look like they've improved their squad. I don't think it's enough yet, but I think they'll be up there. Man, you look good. They've looked good since Fernandez came in. Um, and of yeah. course, it all depends on Man City's ban as well, because um, if they've got the ban for two years, um, is De Bruyne going to stay? Is Pep going to stay? Is all these players going to stay? But of course, if they don't get the ban, are they going to prove their squad with all the pandemic financial crisis? Are they going to be able to buy anyone? So it's a real tough one, but I think it'll be definitely tougher next season. I can't see Man City being 25 points behind next season, but um, I'm confident we can do it again. But um, it all depends what happens with, with the other teams, really, what happens to their squads for me. I think the thing I know with Manchester City is that um, as well as they won't have European football, that could also prove to be a positive thing. Because um, mm-hmm. that's less football. That's less football for them to play. So that's if they uh, saying they're going to get to the final. That's double figures, less games, ten more, ten or more less games a season yeah. than the likes of Liverpool and stuff. So it is worth yeah. noting that that could be an advantage. So uh, Steve, what about you? Next season, Man City yeah, are I'm, the favourites, or Liverpool back on top? Do you know? And it's, this isn't really disrespect to Liverpool, but I do think City are favourites for next season. Um, partly, as you say, because of the European ban. Um, because we've seen many teams that when they don't have that extra 10, you know, eight to 10 games a season, this is they're a little bit fitter, a little bit more rested, you know, they, they come into games and they have that advantage. But the thing about City that Liverpool don't have is, and it, this has already been borne out by the team of Werner transfer, Klopp's been told that if he wants to strengthen that team, he has to sell. Whereas Pep will be told, we lost the league, what are we missing? Right, okay, here's 80 million for that player, 80 million for that player. He'll continue to be backed. So they'll go out in the summer and they'll buy like an 80, 90 million pound centre back to where Liverpool did when they bought Van Dyke because they identified as a key need. Um, whereas I think with Liverpool this season, next season, um, because Klopp knows he doesn't have that money to spend, he's got the core of a good squad. He might lose, he'll have to sell some French players. Um, but I actually think next season, what you're going to see with Liverpool is they're going to start going back a little bit to the boot room because that's where their budget is. You know, we'll see um, we'll see a lot of the kids, uh, the likes of, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, there's Harvey Elliott and there's... Kevin Harvey Elliott, Stone, sorry. The t- big two. Yeah, and who's the, the young midfielder you've got plays on the right? Uh, it's Curtis Jones. That's the one, the yeah. Centre midfielder. 
You've got a few think, coming back on loan as well. You've got like Sir Harry Wilson coming back, um, who you know he's not going to sit around saying, oh, "I'll you know I'll, I'll play second fiddle" because he's been starting every week for Bournemouth. He's got eight goals in the league this year. Um, you know, you need players who are coming back at like twenty twenty one are going to expect to come into the first team squad and get games. One thing I will say on that, just um, on that point, last summer we only bought a seventeen year old centre back from Holland and Harvey Elliott. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, everyone was saying last summer, why haven't they strengthened? Why haven't they done this? But that we've come out stronger. We've come, we finished the league at least 20 odd points clear. So I think sometimes it's about keeping your core there, making sure, because it takes one bad apple to upset, doesn't it? Like it takes one player that can upset the dressing room. Mm-hmm. So I think mm-hmm. there is a part to it you think maybe keep the players you've got and just keep that sort of um, camaraderie, keep that sort of mentality in the dressing room. Whereas you could mm. buy someone really good, but they could not fit into the system. They could be a bad uh, bad egg in the dressing room. They could be all sorts. So I think there's definitely pros and cons to each side, really, isn't there, at the moment? So it's tough what to do. Also, you want to strengthen, don't you? But at the same time, you don't want to buy a player and then they'd be rubbish or they'd be a flop or be bad in the dressing room. So I think there's definitely reason to do either. But, yeah. I think you were right that you didn't spend much last season, but it's like the, the season before it was like it was like eighty million on Van Dyke, it was you know however many million on Ronaldum. You put you, you did all your capital spending in one big go, and then you know you kind of coasted out for last year because you had the squad you wanted. But this year, it's, um, like you say, City are going to come back at you. United are going to come back at you because United are going to spend on on big money in the summer. Chelsea have done a lot of really really clever transfer business this summer this year. Um, they've not done it inside the window when the prices are higher. You know, they've done it. They brought in Werner, they brought in Ziyech. They're going to be a real, you know, force going forward. Uh, I'll let Luke talk about how dodgy they are at the back. Um, but, you know, the, the, you're going to have to see a lot of movement of Liverpool players going out this summer. Um, because you do, no club can sit still like that when they've won the title. You have to improve areas of the squad. And you, there are still areas of that team you can improve. Yeah. But one thing I will say, if we're, we obviously we furloughed staff during the lockdown... Mm. how can the board then justify spending 50 million on a player when they can't even keep their staff so I think there's always that bit of the summer isn't it at the moment I think the summer's going to be different I think because a lot of teams they're going to be be thinking oh, we, we can't furlough staff and then spend 60 million on some player from the Spanish league or some player from the Premier League I think there's that element as well which I reckon teams may not buy any players at all some players some teams may not even spend much money because of all the financial issues at the moment Sorry, mate. It's worth noting that Liverpool did unfurlough those staff literally just right. a few days later. So, um, mm-hmm. but I think that sort of point applies to, across the Premier League, even across football as a whole. Um, the chances of you seeing many fifty million pound plus deals this summer is low. Um, they reckon that a lot of the players who, are, pretty much all players' values have dropped by a minimum of thirty percent. And I don't think you're going to be seeing many huge, huge money deals this season. Uh, this summer, you'll probably see one or two. But um, on Steve's point about Manchester City probably possibly going out and buying a £90 million centre-back, um, as much as any other window, I would expect that. I think this one it might be a little bit different. I think them, even City might be penny-pinching a little bit this summer. Well, the, on, a, on a point of you know who's going to spend big this summer... Um, you're about to get some new Saudi owners up there in the north. So, you know, there's a lot of investment needs to be done in that Newcastle team. 
you know, you might not be a 90 million centre back, but you, you're definitely going to see some big money spent there if the Saudis do take over. Uh, I don't know if it'll happen immediately, but it's definitely necessary. I wouldn't even get me onto this because we'll be here all day. So <laughs> uh, we'll go off on a tangent and we'll move on to our second topic, uh, the FA Cup. We had our quarterfinals this weekend. We had a few decent games and then we had the Newcastle game, which was horrendous. Um, <laughs> we've got our semi-finals now. The semi-finals are Manchester United and Chelsea as well as Manchester City versus Arsenal, uh, both at Wembley, set for a place in the final. Luke, who's your favourite? Chelsea, Man City final, Chelsea win. There you go. That's it, straight away. Might as well not even play them. That's just that's it. That's, that's it. Well, I, honestly, I think I don't I actually. I don't really rate Manchester United this year. I don't think they're that good a team. I think Fernandez has improved them, but I think they've got significant weaknesses. Um, and I can't. Although anything can happen in the FA Cup, Man City are going to are going to beat Arsenal. Arsenal are, are, are very fortunate to get through the the, the last game. And, and and to a certain extent, Man United were as well. I mean, they they really inched their way through, and in fact, were pretty close to a shock against Norwich as well, weren't they? So, yeah, Chelsea, Man United, uh, Man City, sorry, and um, Chelsea to win it two one. All right, uh, so <laughs> it's a brave shout. I'm not going to lie. Optimism, See? I like. <laughs> <laughs> To be fair, if you'd asked me two days ago who was going to win the FA Cup, I would have told you it was Newcastle. So, you know, uh, <laughs> we all have to be optimistic, mate. This is it. This is it. <laughs> Steve, of the four quarterfinals, mate, what was your pick of the games? Uh, do you know, the, the one that got me was, was clearly uh, the Norwich game. Uh, that goal from Todd Cantwell was an absolute peach. Um, and they've just they've just bought that, obviously, as the uh, the game of the round. It was a screamer, um, wasn't it? An absolute it was screamer. a beauty. Um I honestly think, I mean, I thought Arsenal were very, very fortunate to get through. Um, yeah. But I thought that, that finish from Ceballos was was superb. Um, what I will see on the rest of the games was, that's what you want to see in a cup game. You want to see the drama. Um, three of the four, three of the games were won in the 90th minute or, injury, or extra time. That's what you want from a cup game. You know, drama right the way to the end. Apart from the Newcastle game, which was dead out. You know, I, we were looking at the stats for that at halftime. At uh, half-time, Newcastle had 18% pers- uh, possession. 18%. Was it that high? It was... I didn't think it was that high. <laughs> um, I looked at the stats after 20 minutes played in that game and we completed 15 passes. So that kind of set the tone for the game early on. That, that's fair, yeah. It just it, It's not a criticism of Newcastle. It's just a, a, an indication of the quality of Man City. Um, and it's why I think next season they'll push on and, and probably retake the title. Yeah, but Klopp, Klopp is uh, Pep's uh, kryptonite, isn't he? That's the thing. And it has been historically. So oh. I think that's the thing. Speaking of kryptonite, you, you saw the start for the, the Leicester-Chelsea game. Leicester have not beaten Chelsea in a cup game, uh, was it since 1951? Mm-hmm. Something ridiculous like that? Uh, it's, you know, we're, we're talking obscure stats and yeah. But I, I don't think Klopp is his is, um, kryptonite. I think actually when we see Liverpool play City, um, later this week, we may actually see City win. I think the, the the celebrations have been done. You know, everyone's bounced about the place, and Klopp will have a hard time getting them all back focused to see they've really got something to play for now. When really the only thing they have to do is try and get the record points total. The, the thing about Liverpool is they they pretty much dominate the space, and and so they don't give City time on the ball, and and so it, it 
the, the whole system is predicated on everyone doing a really hard press, high press job. And, and City have proven that they can't really cope with the way that Liverpool plays. So if they're on their game, I fancy Liverpool to win it. Honestly, because I, I just don't think Guardiola's got the answers against Klopp's team. And it's been pretty much the way, even in Germany, it was the same thing. If you, you know, I keep banging on about it, but even um, Dortmund at the time always had uh, Pep's number. I think we've still got plenty to talk about on the Man City-Liverpool uh, game as well. We've got a bit of a section totally. coming up later on about totally. upcoming fixtures. For now, though, FA Cup, Andy, I know Liverpool aren't in it, but... Did you enjoy FA Cup weekend? Did you even watch any of the FA Cup weekend? Who's your, uh, who do you think's going to win it? Um, I think it's going to be an all, a Manchester derby final. I've got a feeling Man U are going to win it. I think they look good against Sheffield United, look good in that second half against Spurs. So my, I reckon it's going to be a Man City-Man United final, which would be good for the neutral. I really enjoy watching that. I think Man City will beat them. I think they're just a better side overall. But I think, mm-hmm. uh, I do reckon it will be, it could be a potentially a Manchester City against Manchester United derby. Manchester United game. Um, in terms of the games, I enjoyed the highlights of Sheffield Arsenal. I didn't watch it live, but I watched the highlights of Sheffield Arsenal. Uh, that was quite enjoyable to watch. Watched the Leicester Chelsea game. Um, it's also mad stat that Rogers hasn't beaten Chelsea in 14 games in his career, which is quite crazy. I didn't realise that. He's actually never beaten Chelsea in his career, despite being an ex-Chelsea coach as well. Mm. Um, yeah, I think Chelsea, Chelsea could win. Arsenal could win. Um, I, I back Chelsea more than Arsenal, uh, but I think, for me personally, the way Manu were playing before and post-lockdown, I think they might nick it and get to the final. Mm. No, I, I agree with Andy. I, I do, as much as I hate to kind of acknowledge it, I do think United just have that little bit of cup pedigree that pushes them forward every season. Even when they're poor, they always seem to get, get their way through to the, the final. And I do, I fancy a, a Man United-Man City final. Um, not going with Andy saying that Man United will win it. I think City will win it. Um, but I do, I fancy United to just to nick it from Chelsea. Because what I said earlier about how next season I think Chelsea up top are going to be insane. I still think Chelsea at the back this year look a little bit fragile. Um, oh, yes. Since Pogba came back, the Pogba Fernandez combination, you know, Martial's looked on form. Um, I think United just have that little bit more momentum. Although, I will say um, Pulisic's goal against um, City was probably, for me, one of the goals of the season. Um, and if he plays like that, eh, I, I might get proved wrong. All right, we're going to move on from the FA Cup now to the fight against relegation in the Premier League. Uh, we have covered this before. We've all given our predictions uh, back in week one. But we've had a few more games since then. Everyone's played a little bit more now. Um, there's not really a whole lot's changed down at the bottom. It's still very, very tight. Um, Steve, how are you thinking for the relegation battle? Pellegrini going to keep West Ham up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is actually one of the stats I looked at. Um, Moyes is going to take them down. Uh, one of the, the most interesting things about this, when we talked about this previously, uh, and I said that one of the things we'll keep brighten up is good, solid defence and nicking the odd goal here. And that's mm-hmm. exactly what they've done. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said Villa needed to do that as well. And, and Villa, you know, they, they did that. Uh, they got a couple of draws. But then they, they lost to Wolves by 1-0. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those, Villa's problem isn't at the back. They're good at the back, but they can't nick that goal up front. They, they just mm-hmm. don't have that presence. Um, so I, I'm tempted to put Villa still staying up, but only because West Ham have now lost both games and haven't scored a single goal. And if you've watched either of those performances, they didn't look like scoring a single goal. 
they don't look solid at the back and they don't look um, you know pacey or you know dangerous going forward. Um, I still I still hold that I think West Ham will be going down. Um, Norwich and Centre are already gone and Bournemouth. Yeah, Bournemouth are going down. Not seen enough from them in the last couple of games. Uh, Bournemouth. Yeah. No, and it's funny. I, I've been just looking into this and doing a little bit of research. I did uh, a little bit of kind of going through some Bournemouth fan forums, and there's a lot of even though you've got some players there with you know some decent scoring records, there's a lot of resentment towards certain players regarding their form. Um, Harry Wilson, for example, he's got seven goals this year. But if you ask any Bournemouth fan, do you want to have a wide player like that that has one assist all year? You know. You've got two good strikers there in Josh King and Callum Wilson, but they've got no service. And that's the kind of thing that previous years you would have said, yeah, well, Bournemouth will, you know, they'll get down the wing, they'll get past the fullbacks, they'll get that ball in. And that's where, because Josh King was, was tipped for a big move to Spurs, you know, Callum Wilson got his England call up. And that was all based on the fact they had really good supply, which has just dried up this year. Yeah, I think um, with Bournemouth, they do have David Brooks back now, who might be able to provide a little bit of an. Uh inspiration in the last few weeks but I don't know it's looking quite dire for them um, coming to you Luke you had Watford down to go down if I'm right didn't yes you? yes and I've not changed my opinion everything I've seen so far looks like they are doomed I, I just can't see it I think the only thing that will save them is the fact that the teams below them just look completely incompetent as well and, and if you're talking about Bournemouth, I mean, if you look at um, Ryan Fraser, he's chucked the towel in and said, I'm not playing anymore, which is, by the way, a disgrace, an absolute disgrace as a professional footballer player. Um, doesn't matter what you say, it's not good enough. Um, I hope he doesn't get a contract, actually, because I just think that's so bad. Um, I, I'm going. To, I'm not going to change my, my predictions because I think I said Watford and West Ham to go down, and I, I'm going to stick with that uh, because I just feel as if uh, Villa and Bournemouth might just manage to dig themselves out of it. And I just can't see Watford or West Ham buying themselves a win anytime soon. And both, both have been incredibly disappointing. Do you think maybe that new manager bounce is, uh Watford were sort of benefiting from that like, pre-lockdown? Do you think obviously that seems to have now worn off and the stark reality of a poor squad is hitting home? Do you think that's the case there? I, I think it's true, yeah. And and I think the the fact that they just can't seem to buy a goal for loving their money, you know. So it's uh it's 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 very difficult. If I was a Watford fan, I'd certainly be very concerned. I mean, you're talking about teetering and, and there's they're sleepwalking into relegation, there's no question. And I don't see any drive or determination in their squad to, to make that happen. And as for West Ham, they all look like they just bumped, just been introduced in the, the tunnel just before they started, honestly. <laughs> I mean, I, and I don't see any real fight out of them either. I think Antonio looked like he was up for it, but the likes of, you know, the rest of them just, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what's going on there, but there's obviously something wrong because you expect more from them. Steve, you think Watford are um, going to struggle? West Ham, do you think they'll be able to stay up? I agree with Luke that the, uh, the the kind of, you know, new manager bounce that they got from Pearson is now, it's gone. I mean, their, their form prior to the, the return was great, but since <laughs> then they have looked... And this is a kind of trademark of Watford is that they were, they're not a kind of group of players who will play together. They tend to be brought in by the owners from their other teams, Udinese and other teams in Spain, and kind of, you know, brought together to try and create something they can sell. Um, and I think this season it might not work so well, but I still think they'll stay up. And, and one of the reasons is this, I watched the West Ham game the other day um, and Declan Rice, yeah, 
mean, this, this is the guy who they, they you know, he's, he's now in England international. They're talking 70, 80 million for to United and everything else. You know, the, the big English prospect. And I watched him get just run past multiple times. Um, he, mm-hmm. he just didn't look like his heart was in it. And if you can't motivate your, your best young player to really get in there and get stuck in in a relegation battle, you're doomed. Absolutely doomed. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And, Andy, do you concur with that, mate? Yeah, I will say I'm not a massive fan of Declan Rice. I think he is slightly being overhyped by English media. Uh, he's falling. I think he's the next victim of the uh, media hype for a young English player. Um, mm-hmm. In terms of what I think for the relegation, I think it will stay, for me, is my predictions at start. I think, unfortunately, Bournemouth don't look great. Um, bit of, to quote Steve's point, um, yeah, they, they can't get a goal at all. Norwich are down, down, down. But um, I think it is the best of a bad bunch because it's so tight down there and they all look rubbish. Watford look bad, Bournemouth look bad, West Ham look bad, Villa Norwich look bad. Everyone, I think Brighton have been the best of the, all of them, really. But I think it is the best of a bad bunch in terms of the ones that stay, the ones that stay up. Um, but I will say one thing I will say on the last day of the season it's West Ham against Villa so if it all stays tight that could be a really juicy game that could be um, oh, yeah. costly, tight, tight will be done top four might be done by then so it might be all eyes on the um, fight to stay up so I think um, that's going to be interesting on the last day that'll be quite a good watch if, if it stays as tight as it is I think it will be an interesting watch on the last day yeah, I think the Battle of Claret and Blue uh, is going to be massive on the last game of the season. I think it's going to be the be-all and end-all, the six-pointer, the decisive game, Steve. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. And I think one of the things that will put them down is goal difference. Um, because I'm looking at the table just now, and it, you can't get much tighter. I mean, we said Brighton would probably pull away from it. They have with that one over Arsenal. Um, they're, they're in 33 points now. But Watford are in 28, West Ham are in 27, Bournemouth are in 27, and Villa are in 27. But the big difference is that all the other goal differences are within one, and Villa are, um, I think, the five goal difference behind West Ham, who have a game in hand. Um, and I, I'll be honest, I can see Villa getting a point, but I can't see them beating West Ham as bad as West Ham are. So, yeah, this is, this is going to come down to on the last day you're going to get two teams that come together, play out a very, very boring 0-0 draw, despite so much being on the line, <laughs> and you get a massive anti-climax. Well, I think that um, Villa were very lucky to get that um, lucky goal-like technology. Um, they're fortunate against Sheffield United. I think they were very lucky for that goal, because if they'd lost that game, then they'll be, they, could, they could be in real trouble in terms of the points table at the moment. But I think that, yeah, I think that it's all going to be very interesting. All the teams are very close to each other in the um, table. So I think it's going to be every game between those teams is going to be massive, massive six-pointers. Yeah, I, I actually yeah, I actually could see Villa taking West Ham uh, on the last day, actually. You know that? Mm-hmm. I just think when, you know, when, when there's so much on the line, I, I just feel as if Dean Smith will get more out of his team. And I, and I think he'll be the one that motivates them and, and, and gets them up for it. And it, it won't be pretty. But I, I could see a scrappy 1-0 sending West Ham down. And uh, I, I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens. But yeah, yeah, I think it'll be thrilling at the end of the, the, end of the, the season for sure. I think for me, it's going to come down to whoever is going to stand up and be counted, really. Um, the experience on the pitch is going to be huge. I know it's a bit of a cliche, but West Ham are going to need the likes of Mark Noble, the Mikel Antonios, etc. to stand up and 
prove their worth and pull their team through it. I think that's where they might have a bit of an advantage. I think uh, Aston Villa, if I'm thinking about it properly, I think have quite a young side, if, uh, if I'm not too mistaken. So they're going to have to be mostly relying on Jack Grealish. And it seems a bit of a bit more of a gamble with West Ham being at home as well. I, I just don't know. I think personally, I think West Ham might nick that one. Anyway, moving on to the last few fixtures of this week. Well, what what we've got to come this week. We've got Bournemouth v Newcastle. Um, it's going to be boring. West Ham versus Chelsea. <laughs> we've got Wolves versus Arsenal, and the main event is obviously Manchester City versus Liverpool, which is where we'll start. Andy, Manchester City versus Liverpool. We touched on it earlier. Mm. Are Liverpool going to even turn up? Um, it's, you see a lot of teams, don't you? The, the day the game after winning the league, they do sometimes not always have the urgency because they've already done what they wanted to do. Um, I think that maybe City will focus. I don't know because City's FA Cup game is quite a way away, so it's not like they, they haven't got any other games to focus on a day coming up. So I think I think it'll be a draw. I think it'll be either one one or two two. I think that will. I think we'll still have the we'll still go for it. I think Klopp won't allow that, especially against Pep Guardiola and Man City. I do think Man City will have something to prove. So I think um, I think it could be... I'm going to go for a 2-2. I'm going to go for an um, exciting 2-2 draw. Mane double and maybe um, Sterling and Mares with the Man City goals. Luke's nodding in approval. Do we agree, Matt? I think so. I think so. Um, actually, I think they should have like a drinking contest before it and then play drunk. I think that would be much more entertaining at the end <laughs> of it. We'll just like that. nominate their best drinker. <laughs> and then uh, take it from there. But I think, it, I think it could be a real entertaining score draw, actually. So, so I'm, I'm with you, Andy, on this. I think it could be like 2-0 uh, or something. Or, or a narrow win for City, because City will probably be up for the game to show them what, what they're all about. So uh, it could really be a good game. I'm looking forward to it, I must say. Steve, we got a prediction, mate? Um, for the, the City-Liverpool game, um, I'm, I'm kind of going with what I said previously. I think City will win that. Um, I know we did the whole Klopp is, is Pep's kryptonite kind of thing, but I do think there'll be a few few sore heads at training this week. Uh, I don't think you'll be able to motivate them quite the same way that you did previously. Um, and City players, you said that they'll be looking forward to the trip to the... Um, I, I think it's the opposite. I think... Um, they'll be playing for a spot in that cup semi-final team. And I think <laughs> that will be Pep's motivation to get them, get them out there and get them going. Mm-hmm. I think we might see a few, we'll, we'll see a lot of changes from Liverpool. We'll see, um, you know, we, we won't see a full strength team out there. Um, likewise, I think with City, we'll see some fringe players come in because he's been rotating his back four a lot, um, but he hasn't really been rotating in the centre of the park. And I think we'll see that for this game. But no, I'm, I'm, I'm taking City to win that. Uh, I'm taking City to win it probably... Andy, do we think Liverpool are going to rotate the team? Um, Well, on that point about um, maybe Liverpool not being there, I will say that the um, getting the 100 points is still up for grabs. So I think Mm. that might still be in Klopp's mind. That might be still in the players' minds to try and sort of further stamp that sort of legacy on how good the season was. Because I think we've got 85 points, 86 at the moment. So I think we don't need loads of points. But I think, yeah, I think Having trying to get the records, trying to get um, all that done, I think that might be in Klopp's mind in the, in the training this week. They might still want to go for it and try and get that record because they've got nothing else to play for, so they might as well try and go for it. Yeah, we saw it a couple of seasons ago in Manchester City. They sort of they won the league early and decided to go for it with a title. And when they got the hundred points on the last day away at Southampton, 
Guardiola was over the moon. Yeah. He was basically he did a bit of a Mourinho running down the line celebrating. So <laughs> yeah. it, it means Last something. It, well. it meant a lot to Pep Guardiola. And if I know Jurgen Klopp, it's going to mean plenty to him as well. So we'll move on to another game with plenty of repercussions, really, um, in West Ham versus Chelsea. It's got drama stamped all over it at both ends of the table. West Ham desperately need a win to basically try and survive. Chelsea need a win to continue their push for Champions League football. Luke, you are our resident Chelsea-ish fan. Um, how do you see that one going? <laughs> well, I think Chelsea are going to absolutely trump them, actually. I think they're going to beat them 4-0. That's what I think. Because I just, I just think West Ham are going to try their best, but they're just not a good team. And, and they're not well enough organised. It's not as if they've even got a really good manager. You know, I, I just think I think Chelsea are just going to give them a doing, and that'll be that. I think it'll be three or four nothing. That's I mean, I like the sw- I like the swagger in that. Like, I think I think Chelsea are going to absolutely do them. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think <laughs> honestly, I really think so. I just I it's probably overconfidence, and and probably West Ham are going to come out and, and win two nothing. But but I really <laughs> I just I just think that uh, I just don't think West Ham have got anything really. If you, if you watch them, they're very one dimensional. They don't seem to have too much imagination about them. And, and I think Chelsea will just pick them off. With a sold-out London stadium, you might be sort of slightly more tempted to back West Ham, but with nobody in attendance and just quality to come and it just coming down to quality, West Ham are going to struggle, aren't they, Andy? Yeah, and I think um, going back going back to stadium point, I think um, my friend's been to the stadium. He says it's the worst atmosphere he's seen at a stadium, even with fans in it. Um, yeah. So I still question their decision to leave Upton Park. That was a great stadium. So I still question why they left that to go to the, the, to totally go to the Olympic Stadium. Uh, but I think, I agree with all of you guys, really. I think Chelsea are going to thrash them. They played well against Man City. They showed a lot of fight in the Leicester game, despite not being at their best. Um, and I think, yeah, I think Chelsea are going to win 3-0. Um, I'll say Pulisic, maybe Mason Mount, and maybe Abraham. But yeah, it could be anyone, really. But I think West Ham looked that bad, I think. Yeah, I think Chelsea are gonna gonna completely dominate the game. Uh, to be honest, I'm in almost full agreement with both of these guys. Um, I can't see that current West Ham side doing anything. Um, I don't see why that they have enough pace or power to, to trouble the Chelsea fullbacks. I don't see up top they have enough strength to to get past the Chelsea centre backs. Um, they've got Sebastian Haller. How much did they pay for him? It's like thirty something million. Forty five. Uh, yeah, and it's like in his first couple of weeks, and he looked all right. He looked like a proper Premier League side player, and then he got worked out, and that was it. And he's he's not really been seen since. Um, they're weak at the back. Uh, they they're just they're all over the place. And and Moyes, um, Moyes' style of management is ten years out of date. It worked when he was at Everton, but you could see it was starting to crack when he was at Everton. And when he went to United, you saw just how flawed it was. Um, I, I can see, I'd agree with Andy. I'm seeing three now, uh, probably from Abraham, uh, almost certainly from Pulisic because obviously his, uh, his, goal, his current form. And I'll go with a Jorginho penalty to make it three now. I like that. You, uh, you had a point on um, David Moyes, Andy. I was, I was just going to say, if West Ham are going to stay up, they have one good player, one really good player, Felipe Anderson. I think if he turns up, if he um, can turn up on any day, I think he's their, only, he's their real hope of staying up, I think. I think maybe Lanzini now and again he not consist not consistent enough. But I think uh, Felipe Anderson could be the reason why they stay up. I think he is their only real player of 
of good quality, I think, in the, in the West Ham squad. Yeah, I'd go with what Andy's saying there. Um, I remember when Felipe Anderson joined West Ham, there was a lot of kind of people looking around going, how did they pull that off? Uh, it, was, it was a really big money transfer. Uh, they were talking about him at all the top clubs in Europe. You know, he's been mm. linked to United, he's been linked to City, he's Liverpool, linked to the top German clubs. Uh, and it was like, he's gone to West Ham, what, what's going on here? And I think there's, there's some kind of deal done in the background there because the, the, uh, the owners of West Ham are, are more noted for their financial smarts than their footballing smarts. So I actually don't think Felipe Anderson will be back again after this season. But he, like Andy says, he has all the talent in the world, but he's a player that uh, he needs motivation. He's like a kind of Balotelli-type player um, where when he wants to play, he's almost unplayable. But when he kind of comes on at the pitch, you know, the, the shoulder shrugged or the head down a little bit, he's anonymous for 90 minutes. And you can, in a relegation battle, afford to play a player like that. And that actually goes far as to say I would bench Anderson for someone who, like Snodgrass, who maybe is a little bit more you know, direct, maybe not quite as talented, but he's the kind of guy that he'll get stuck in. He'll, he'll fight for the ball, whereas Anderson will just disappear. Interesting. I think Luke is shaking his head a little bit. I don't think he agrees with you there, Luke. I think Robert Snodgrass is the worst football player in the world. I just, honestly, <laughs> I don't even understand who is a football player. I think he's absolutely terrible. He's been terrible for Scotland. And he might have been good a few years ago, but not anymore. I, I would keep Anderson in the team, honestly. I just think he's... Uh, I'm, with the, I'm with Andy and, and the fact that I think he's probably their best player. And, and if anyone if anyone is going to conjure anything up, it'll be him. Mm-hmm. But uh, Snodgrass, nah. Nah, I'm just I'm not interested in him at all. I don't think he's going to make a difference. Sorry, Steve. If we're talking about bad Scottish players, I mean, you have had the last three years of watching Rangers play in the Premier League, so you're, you're an expert <laughs> on that subject. <laughs> Says the party litigation fan. That's all I'm going to see. Oh, he got his little dig in there. He got that dig in there. It's been coming. You can see he's just been sitting brewing that all all pod long. I've been saving that one up actually. To be fair. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we're going to move on before this gets catty. Um, (laughs) Wolves versus Arsenal. One of the last games this week. but obviously, Wolves are looking for, they're in a fight for European football. Arsenal can still get European like football in terms of Europa League football, but Champions League is very much off the table. Um, how do we see that one going? Wolves at home at Molyneux, Luke? Well, this actually could be, this could be a really interesting game. Um, I, I really like Wolves this year. I think they're a great team. Uh, I think mm-hmm. they've got a lot of talent through their, their team, actually. Um, I think they will beat Arsenal. I think I think it will be very close though. I think it, I could see it being a two-one type deal. Um, they do have quality, but Arsenal, in, in fairness to them, have managed to fight through, and, and and they have, you know, they showed in the FA Cup. Although they they weren't that good, they managed to you know fight away and get results. So you, you just never know. Um, so yeah, two-one I think uh, to Wolves. Nice one, Andy. Yeah, I'm gonna say three-one. Um, especially with Adama Traore not starting the last game, he's going to be fresh for the game. Mm-hmm. And I can't see that Arsenal defence ca- um, keeping up with him, uh, as well as Raul Jimenez. I think they've got 10 goals um, combination. I think Adama Troy and Raul Jimenez have got a good, one of the best sort of partnerships in um, this season in the Premier League. But I think um, it'll be an interesting battle between Wolves and Man U for that Champions League spot. I think they're on the same amount of points. That's going to be really interesting to see. But I think Wolves... We wouldn't have thought this five years ago when he got relegated, but I think Wolves have a much better squad than Arsenal at the moment. I think they're playing better form. I think they've got 
arguably better players than Arsenal at the moment. Mm-hmm. So I think, um, who's home? Is it Wolves or Arsenal? I don't actually know this. Is, is that Molyneux? Yeah, I think I think Wolves will win three one. I think could be one the Wolves then one one. But I think I think Wolves will um will win. I think quite comfortably. I think at the end. I think Arsenal will want to focus on the FA Cup as well. So, yeah, I think Wolves are going to win this three goals to one. Interesting, Steve. Clean sweep. I've, well, I, I've got Wolves to win, but I've actually got quite a few takes on this. Um, Andy's you're not quite United actually three points behind Wolves at the moment, but they've got a game in hand. Um, but the big thing for me is like sitting in third place just now is Leicester. Now they're only three points ahead of Wolves. Um, and obviously we've had all the stories today in the UK about potentially the whole of the city being locked down. Um, and you know, they've not been in brilliant form since they came back from the uh, from the, the lock from the, the break. You know, they've got that cup defeat. Um, I think Rogers might have a little bit of trouble motivating them for the next few games. Um, I, I know when we did the top four predictions, I predicted Leicester to stay up there. But I didn't expect this Leicester to be the one that came back from the, the outbreak. Um, and I, I think they're probably the weakest of the top six sides at the moment. So I can see Wolves beating mm-hmm. Arsenal. I, I can easily see that because I can't see anything about Arsenal that can that, that I could see as positive this season. I, I said in the last time that um, Arteta is going to have to rebuild that side in the summer. Um, and I think he's experimenting now with who he wants to keep and who he wants to get rid of because European football is gone for them. They ought to, they're the FA Cup to play for and that's it. So yeah, it's, it's Wolves for me. It's Wolves too now. Um, but yeah, watch watch the Leicester situation because if there's the the lockdown there locally, I think that plus the form, you might see Leicester drop out the top four entirely. Mm-hmm. You agree with that, Andy? Yeah, I was just going to say that um, Leicester were in bad form even before lockdown, and I thought this was going to help them having the, having the break. But they seem to be even exactly the same, and they've come back. And um, I remember when Rodgers was in charge of us, after that loss to Chelsea when Gerard slipped, uh, we we're next game, we drew his Palace. So I think he's got history, Rodgers, of, uh, or his teams of sort of having a bad game after a real big setback. So I think that could play a part. And I think Leicester could, I thought they'd get top four as well, but I think they could sneak out of it completely. I think the four Man U and Chelsea in at the moment, even Spurs got a win the other day. I think Leicester could easily fall out of their top four with the current form that they're in yeah I mean with um, Everton away next up then Palace at home then Arsenal away it's not exactly the easiest run of fixtures Luke Mm. Um, next three games (laughs) could be big in the sort of race for the top four especially from a Leicester perspective do you see them dropping out I think it's possible. Yeah, definitely. I, the, the one observation I was going to make was that I, I feel like in, in the modern game, I actually feel that Rodgers has been a little bit overrated as a manager. Um, his final season at Liverpool was was pretty much a, a microcosm of that. I think a lot of managers figured out his system and figured out how to beat him. And and I don't see that having changed much at Leicester. And I, I just worry for them, actually, that I, that I do think they might, they might uh, the bottom might fall out of their season. But it'll be interesting to see. Do you think that could maybe little be a little bit of Glasgow bias there, though? Anti, uh, anti Celtic. Oh, I, I think I try and be dispassionate about it in in that sense because I do I do genuinely thought he was a good manager, but but I I don't know if he has the ability to tweak his system completely. And I do think in a big league like the the Premiership, you get found out quickly, um, and people suss you out really quickly. And and I do think that happens with this system. I mean, I don't know what Andy thinks about that or Steve, but um, yeah, that's I was going to say that. I remember. 
Rodgers has got a history of he never seems to change his system. I remember our game against Chelsea, he should have really just mm. been defensive in that two, that Gerard, infamous Gerard game. I think that um, you know, I love Rodgers. I loved him at Liverpool. I was very sad when we got rid of him, but obviously it was Klopp coming in. That was a good decision. But um, I think Rodgers, he, he always seems to play the same way. He never decides to go defensive one game. He always goes... I remember the Leicester game last season <laughs> against Man City. The company won the goal game. And I think that he just can't go defensive. He always has to play this nice possession-based football. But I think he just yeah. he can't seem to change his style. He can't seem to um, just do it for one game just to get a win. I think he always has to play um, this real nice football, which I think that's why maybe managers have found him out. They've realised that mm-hmm. if you go against that, it's going gonna, it's gonna to work. So I think, yeah, that's his biggest flaw, I think, at the moment. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll go with that. And I'll... I'll give you, this is my tag to Rogers. Rogers is the, uh, he's the British Pep, right? Let, let me explain on that one. When Pep left Barca, right? Pep had his, his years at Barca, and just as he recognised he was at the stage where other teams had worked out his system, he moved on to Bayern. And he played at Bayern for a couple of seasons. And just when he realised other teams had worked out his system, he moved on to Man City. Um, and Rogers does that. Rogers, he, he left Celtic at exactly the right time. Right, because Rangers were improving. Um, other teams had worked out how to play against them. Um, I remember that there was one game that season, I think, where Celtic had been like 13 or 14 unbeaten, uh, and Craig Levine's Hearts came up against them, and they worked mm-hmm. out that the simple way to beat them is to physically beat them, as mm-hmm. in they kicked the living hell out of them. Um, mm-hmm. And they couldn't, they couldn't cope with that. And Rodgers is one of those, let's say the system is, it works for a few years. And then managers will very quickly adapt to it. Like good managers will adapt to it. Other teams will adapt how to play to it. And Rogers mm-hmm. himself will suddenly move on. Um, I can see Rogers there maybe for another year, two years, and then moving on again. Um, there was a lot of talk about him going to Arsenal when they were when Leicester were riding high, uh, and I thought that would have been the worst possible move for Arsenal. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't really rate Arteta, but I, <laughs> I rate Rogers even less. Yeah, I mean, on the point of uh, Bayern Munich and Barcelona sort of dying off um, at the end of the seasons and at the end of Pep's time there and teams starting to find, basically find Pep out a little bit. I think it's worth (laughs) noting that in his last season of Bayern Munich, he did still win the league by 10 points. He did still win the league by, had something of a canter in his last season at Barcelona too. So um, I think anyway, I may be wrong on that. Um, Do feel free to correct me if I am. But... Yeah, I think it might be a little bit harsh on Pep to compare him to Brendan Rodgers, in my personal opinion. Um, but, you know, each to their own and stuff, Steve. Um, I think that is all we've got time for there. Sorry to cut you off, uh, Andy, a little bit. But no problem. that is all we've got time for. We've kind of run over a little bit. But not to fear. Next week, we'll be back. And I may or may not have a little bit of a game to spice things up for us next week. Please. Ooh, awesome. Awesome. Oh, dear. That worries me. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna have to. It's a. It's a little bit of a brain teaser, so you are gonna have to bring your brains. Um, Steve, oh, no. I'm looking at you there. Um, I'm in trouble already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm. 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 Yeah, I'll, I'll just not show up next week. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, the game is going to be. It's. It's name that career. So I'm going to give you the career path of a former cool. professional football player, and you must tell me who it is. All right. Mm. Cool. Good. Good plan. All right. Well, we will be back next week. Thank you very much for listening. Um, And yeah, we'll see you soon.